Hannah Tonk. Welcome to How to Be Human, a podcast that explores the common and often confusing themes of humanness. Hello, everybody. So today is another little treat where I have done a little bit of a two-parter for you. I am not going to make you wait a week. I'm going to just release part two on Wednesday. I hope that gives a little bit of time, but that way also to, you know, you have them close together. But why am I doing that? I'm doing that because my wonderful friend, Casey Khan joined me today to talk about her experience as an adoptee. And it's something I have always known about Casey. Like, you know what? I actually didn't always know it. She revealed it to me, but she came to me as a client. And I guess more my point in sort of saying I always knew it in the sense of Casey is somewhat proud of being adopted and things like that. And I just always thought her attitude was really interesting. And then because she's a friend and a client, I got kind of a front row seat of her process of investigating some of her biological relatives and roots. And so I asked her if she would come on the pod to talk about it. And she did. And it's a really interesting story. I'm super grateful for her sharing it. So please enjoy episode 74, Adoption with Casey Kahn. All right. Today I'm excited because I have a dear friend. I also have a new dog that's staring at me. Let's hope he behaves. Casey was already very amenable to changing because of Gary's walk schedule. (laughs) Which I'm like, if you're going to have a friend come and talk about something like really personal to them, you might as well be difficult, you know. But thank you so much for joining me today, Casey. I am. So excited to talk about adoption and specifically your adoption and being adopted. (laughs) Great. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think about when I met you first, it was like at a hilariously chaotic event for the wing in Soho. Oh, yes. And I think it was Melissa who was like, oh, my God, you guys have to meet. And you were like, I'm going to book a session with you. And I was like, yeah, right. Because I hear, you know, you hear it all the time. And sure enough, you booked like the next day (laughs) and I met you and it felt like, you know, we had this journey in reading for you that abandonment was coming up a lot and you were very like, no, thanks. Like not interested. Don't want to look at it. And then I want to say we did a couple of sessions readings and you were like, well, you know, I'm adopted. Right. And I was like, no, I did, you know, and I was like, this is a really, it feels like a really relevant key piece to like your own spiritual integration. And so I feel really honored that I got to be kind of like in the stands when you started to sort of look at and process this a bit differently as an adult and go kind of, you know, like, oh, what? does this mean? And I think I always sort of related to you about it, having lost a parent young of like this big thing that happens or happened and you, it's a lifetime process of reconciling it. And I don't think, especially when, as it comes to adoption, especially with Roe versus Wade being, you know, repealed and things, I think people have this misconception that adoption's like very 
tidy. Someone has a baby and someone wants a baby. Done. Everything's great, you know? And I think that you have this really kind of interesting take where you've looked at your whole history and your family and all this stuff like with so much nuance, which I think is unusual. And you've looked at everybody with so much kindness and compassion. Thank you. (laughs) Anytime you've ever spoken to it, I just think you extend a lot of empathy and a lot of compassion. And like, I think that that's really unusual and cool when you're doing it with something that relates to your own pain and trauma. You know, like, I don't think you've ever sort of been like, I hate to use this term, but like victim mentality. Like, I don't think you've ever felt like a victim in it. I think you've wanted to just kind of been like, like I said, the thing I really relate to is like when my father died and people would always be like, oh my God, that must have affected you or that must have been such a big deal. And I was like, yeah, but it took probably 20 years before I could even remotely articulate. Of course. What it meant. And I felt like you were kind of similar with adoption. And <laughs> poor Casey, every time I saw her, I would start like asking her these questions. And she's also got a bonkers story, which we'll get into. I would be like, did you, did you know as a child? And she was like, oh yeah. You know, like you you've always been so gracious. So let's start from the beginning. So well, yes. Well, <laughs> what an intro, Anna. No. Yeah. I mean, a lot of what you said, it is interesting because you definitely, um, I started seeing you at the end of 2017. We did indeed meet at the wing. You pulled some cards for me and I was like, you know, you're a great reader, but I also just like you. So then I, you know, (laughs) kept seeing you. And at the time I was actually in therapy for the first time, like traditional talk psychotherapy. And coincidentally also was seeing our mutual friend, Juliana, Mm -hmm. who I didn't even know you guys were friends at the time. So I kind of was assembling a coterie of, healers, if you will, and kind of, you know, looking at myself, I'm a very anxious person, always have been like seventh grade, breathe in a bag before my bat mitzvah, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but it's also part of me, you know, I'm also a very outgoing person. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't say manic, but I definitely have always had like a zappy energy, but then also a lot of anxiety, but it's those It's the zappy part that, you know, because I could be so outgoing and happy and see the bright side of life, I didn't ever think I really needed therapy, even though I've been through looking back, like my early 20s, like there was a lot of it was touch and go. It's not like I hadn't (laughs) been through things where I could have, you know, I could have used someone to talk to. But I think we all come around to things when we are ready. And I think what you mentioning your dad and your grief. I mean, we talked about this, like your frontal lobe wasn't even developed yet. Like, of course, I feel like a lot of us, certainly for me, we all have these mechanisms to protect ourselves. Like, you know, I cannot deal with this yet. I'm not ready yet. Yeah. So So certainly I think that's what happened for me. I'd reached a point where I was very anxious and I definitely always, you know, everyone has like identity issues or imposter syndrome, but I definitely have a lot of core questions about myself, like teenager and beyond of kind of questioning things about myself, not feeling like I'm in the right place among my peers. Mm. That is different than my family, you know, my adoptive family. I'm just going to call them my mom and dad because they're my mom and dad. I'm just making the designation for now. But throughout the course of our conversation, when I say mom and dad, I mean, you know, 
not my biological family. To that point, though, when I met you, I think that some of your resistance, and again, I, I really saw myself in this, was this, you love your mom and dad so much mm-hmm. and are like, I had yeah. a really great upbringing and childhood, you know, that I felt I related to that because I had cancer when I was in my 20s and people always like want to make that a thing. And not that it wasn't, but like, I feel very clear and resolved on it. I was sick. I had treatment. It was crazy. And then I wasn't sick anymore. You know, like it had a, my story had a beginning, middle and end. And I think that when I met you and these things were starting to like kind of bubble up to the surface for you, it was challenging this very tidy narrative you have of like, yes, I'm adopted, but like I have amazing parents that everything worked out fine. Yes. Yes. So my husband, I've been with him. We knew each other when I was in my early twenties. He's eight years older than me, but our first date romantically, I was about to turn 25 and he was, I guess, 33. And he tells this story. He's like, I looked across the table from you. You're so cute. And you were like, yeah, I'm adopted, but it's like not a thing with me. It's like (laughs) not a big deal. I was two days old. My parents are the best. Um, It's really not an issue. And he's like, you really believed it because your parents... I'm so close to my parents and I fit in really well. So with them, you know, and my extended family, frankly, my grandparents, my cousins. So it's not like I, I I was never treated as like the adoptee of the family, you know? Yeah. You weren't othered. Yeah. I wasn't othered. And my mom and I, and my dad and I get along like a house on fire. Like they're not only my parents, they're my, but they're my friends and confidants. And it's a much safer thing to be like, okay, I'm going to, you know, even though I don't always fit in with my peer group, like there were, you know, I was always among my friends considered quirky or whatever. And, you know, I don't think that has to do with being adopted. I think it's just who I am, but I didn't really ever fully, if you will, like flesh out other parts of my identity that differed dramatically from my family. So I think I just did things and didn't explore it. And I just wanted to do things that felt easy. You know, I didn't want life to be hard. I didn't want to address anything difficult. And also like, to your point, I really never felt like a victim. So I was adopted when I was two days old. Obviously don't remember that. (laughs) Um, It was, it was prearranged. And what I'm going to tell you now is what I've known my whole life. So my parents always, I mean, I can't remember them ever telling me I was adopted because that's how early they did it. You know, they, whatever they were told to do is what they did very artfully and beautifully. My mom, so cool. My mom, yeah. My mom tells me that like one time she was with a friend and I, and out of nowhere, I, I was four. Um, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm a doctor. And what I was saying was I'm adopted. I just had no idea what <laughs> I still, you've told me this and I love the idea of baby Casey being a doctor. <laughs> exactly. Right. Or all like, you being like, come here and let me put my stethoscope on you. The most incompetent, like a little drunken toddler. Like, totally. <laughs> yeah. So I always knew when I was young, you know, my parents were always like, there was a woman and she couldn't take care of you. And I I guess it's what they said, but it was like, you know, we're your mommy and daddy and we love you more than anything. And I always kind of, I was always like, sweet, I'm 
I've kind of positioned it to myself, my whole childhood, and even into teenage years and beyond as like, I was picked. Okay. Like I wasn't just given birth to, I was picked. So, and I think my parents, it's a beautiful thing. And they kind of reinforced that and made me feel that way. Like my grandparents and my parents all collectively doted on me, but not necessarily in such a spoiled way. They just made me feel like I could be or do whatever I wanted. And they really treasured me. And I felt that like their love was so unconditional and they were so grateful for me. And I think it wasn't conscious. Like I didn't really have conscious thoughts about adoption. Like when I was a kid or in high school, I would sometimes make jokes about it in high school because that's what high school kids do. Like I had a friend who called me orphan Annie, which sounds horrible, but I was just like, LOL, that's hilarious. Like it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. I think it just, I don't know. I always just felt like it connected me to my parents. We had this thing where I just respected them and I was grateful for them, you know, because that's a huge part of adoption, right? I kind of envisioned when I was a little girl, like there was like a bunch of babies in a room and they picked me, which wasn't the case, Mm. but it was just a nice thought. And I just kind of had this quiet gratitude for them always. And I can safely say, you know, I was in a group of girls who I love shadow, but they were all, you know, if they wanted the new purse, they would ask for it. And I don't think I did. Like I didn't ask for things or do things that a lot of kids did that pushed back too much um, Mm. because I was an only child. So I'm adopted at an only child, which is like, you know, definitely intense adoration and all that. But I I do think like it probably does have something to do with just feeling grateful. And, you know, my parents also taught me not to be a spoiled brat, but I do think it did have to do with this subconscious thing where I knew that I guess you could say I was rescued. So yeah, that was my early kind of concept of what adoption meant. When you were younger, this is something that's always interesting to me because I had a hard time reconciling some of the addiction stuff in my household because like my dad was very high functioning. Mm-hmm. And so my therapist, when I would really be like, I don't know, you know, like she would read me this list and be like, you know, I would be like, oh, well, I don't really identify that way. I don't really identify that way. And she'd be yeah. like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then would read me this list of like children of alcoholics. And sure enough, I would have to like say yes to everything on the list, you know? And do you feel like when you look back, you were saying in terms of like, you felt this like gratitude. It's like baby you wasn't like, don't ask for the bag. Like you're lucky they adopted you. Like, it doesn't sound like it was a conscious thing, but looking back, are you like, oh, I think that maybe played a little bit into my decision-making or behavior. And something you said earlier, I thought was interesting was that you maybe didn't, you know, play up some of the differences. Something that's interesting, you look like your parents. I do. I mean, it's funny because like when you look closely, no. Um, But yes, I mean, people people always told me like if they saw my mom and I walking down the street, they'd be like, you you know, it's twins because, you know, the way we carry ourselves, um, way we style ourselves sense of humor and mannerisms, of course, you know, like I take after her a lot. I mean, I think 
yes, going back to your question, it's interesting with adoption because, um, you know, again, I didn't really delve deeply into it. It's only been the past five years, uh, six years. So since 20, probably more 2018 um, and beyond, I read a book called The Primal Wound, <laughs> which is so dramatic sounding. It is an, indeed dramatic at times, but, you know, there are some takeaways that are useful. And there's another one, Seven Core Issues of Adoption and Permanency. And it mm -hmm. kind of I'm reading through these books and there are certain elements where I'm like, oh, that's not just my personality. Like, yes. yes. But, but at the same time, you know, it's hard to suss out what's what. Like I was talking to my therapist and we were talking about some adoption stuff. And he said, you know, Case, I could refer you, you know, because I'm interested, like what causes what? So I was kind of asking this, you know, like, is this, is there a name? I, I really don't remember the circumstance, but he was like, look, like, you know, I could send you to an adoption psychologist, but then everything you do will be viewed through the lens of an adoptee. And frankly, Anna, like some of it's a coincidence. Yes. Because we could get to the part where I learned about my birth mom and met my brothers. And I think there are a lot of coincidences too, in the personalities of my mom and the woman who gave birth to me, like my mom, mom, they actually have some characteristics that are, are, are a little bit similar. So it's hard to suss out like in my personality, what's being an, what's an adoptee, what's being a person who has anxiety, what's being, or, you know, what are elements of my personality traits are learned and genetic. It's really interesting because it's impossible to answer it all, but in general, yes, I do think there are certain things about my personality, especially as a teenager and in those, you know, the years when you're like trying to find your own identity and it's not, a, again, that's a journey that's not conscious, right? Like you're just trying to see where you fit in the world. Like my friends and my mother actually, um, we're all really good at sports. I am the worst athlete like imaginable and the things I'm good at are um, drawing and writing and reading. Um, you know, in high school, I didn't learn it until the end of high school that I could actually write and perform comedy. And I got the audacity to do that. I also liked music in this really profound, deep way and would go home after school and kind of dissociate and be by myself and study lyrics. And like my friends weren't doing that. And I think, you know, I was kind of like sussing out like where this was coming from and trying to integrate different elements of my personality for many years. And then when I came into my twenties and became a mom, these were all things that were normal, but I was definitely alone sometimes in my hobbies and talents. And my parents, who are not good at drawing or, you know, certain creative pursuits were always very encouraging of it. It was just like, I kind of did some of them in solitude. Mm. And that was, again, I don't think I consciously realized I was, I, I don't think I ever was like, oh, I'm different because I'm adopted, but I was always considered different by my friends. You know, it was always yeah. like, you know, Casey's... And I kind of owned it, which is a good thing. You know, I had the confidence to be like, yeah, I'm different than you guys. Like I'm a little dorkier and yeah. slower to be with boys. So that is another thing. Speaking of slower to be with boys, I definitely, I was reading these books and I can say that when it came to attachments with friends and like making out with boys, they were saying a lot of adopted people are slower or more 
they're not as open to being vulnerable. And I not only am a Scorpio, <laughs> like quadruple Scorpio, but I am an adoptee. And I, in high school, you know, not that everyone was banging on my door, like, oh my God, we want to date you. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. it's not like Wise and Casey, you know, hooking up. But I mean, I definitely made it clear that I was going to be the class clown. I had no interest in participating in the dynamic where I can empower a boy and to use me and then talk about me to other people. I was Mm. definitely afraid of like being perceived, even at that age, you know, like now I see all these memes on the internet, like I don't want to be perceived on social media. Like I was afraid of being like, when I found out that people talked about me when I wasn't in the room, it like freaked me out. I did not want to be vulnerable and I would only kiss boys if I went to another town and like would never see them again. And I didn't have my first boyfriend and like become vulnerable with another human being. So I was 18 in college, which isn't a big deal, but I definitely remember being very young and having those feelings of, you know, an intense fear of being judged an intense fear of Mm -hmm. being judged basically. And I don't know on one hand, it could just me. I kind of like, it's kind of cool now that I look back. Like, I hope my kids are like that. I agree. Uh, like eliminating that is not the worst, I think. But I understand, though, that I'm sure to observers, like Casey's a hot blonde. She's not, she's, I will d- address the elephant in the room that like, Casey's <laughs> I was a hot blonde. That. I was not that, but you know, it wasn't, it's high school. It doesn't, not. it doesn't even matter. It's but just I'm like, sure that everybody was thinking, I'm sure that that was outside of your peers. I bet that was unusual, you know, like that is the time that you're starting to explore. I think it kind of depends either like, you know, that's happening or it's not. And that's not surprising to me that you were like, I don't know about that. But do you think you were also afraid of rejection? Yes, that's what I was getting at. And that is something that appears in all these books. And it's the first time I probably the first time I ever really made that connection. I was definitely afraid of rejection, putting myself out there. So it doesn't only apply to boys in high school. It applies to after school activities. Sure. Trying out for things. Yeah. You know, and by the time I was a senior, I ended up doing more things that I was like the pep rally, whatever MC. And I was drawing for the newspaper, (laughs) which is literally putting, and it's putting your art and yourself out there. But prior to that, and that's like three years of, again, like school would end and my friends would go play tennis or run track. And I was like, I'm going to go like listen to Led Zeppelin and memorize the lyrics and like stare out the window. And that's genuinely like what I was capable of doing and interested in doing. And I, again, I think that's just who I am. I'm a dreamy person. But then these books are also like, adoptees are really creative and good at dissociating and, you know, daydreaming. Like my level of daydreaming in high school and beyond is, wow, it's just, if I could record my daydreams, I'd, you know, be a director and a film producer. You know, I just... I wonder if it's something, and maybe you know this from your own reading, but like, I know with grief, for example, like a lot of exhaustion comes with it. And... I had almost like a form of like grief related, like 
you know, like narcolepsy when my, my dad died of like, I would just fall asleep, you know? Mm -hmm. And they were like, it's because your brain's overwhelmed and it wants to go to sleep to like process this. I wonder is the dissociation is the daydreaming is like, is it a way your brain takes a little time out to like process without you being aware of it? Yes. I don't think I was the great, any grief surrounding adoption um, that I had didn't come until later. I've had mm-hmm. grief since then, but I do think, yes, it's like a protective mechanism. Um, yeah, and I, I, I guess that's what I'm saying. Yes. Was it yes. a form of protective mechanism? Do you think? Yeah. Yes. And I think like when you're adopted, but again, like I hate to say protective mechanism because I was a happy kid. I was really, and I know from now, like looking more into adoption and hearing from other adoptees, like I'm really lucky. I always knew I was lucky and now I really know I'm lucky. Like not only do I have amazing supportive parents, like I get along with them and they allowed me to be who I wanted to be. And I was a happy person. Like, yeah, they see you. Yeah. Like I might've had some shyness and issues with social interactions, Mm -hmm. but not really. Like I was still like a super outgoing human being. You know, I liked hanging out on the weekends. Like, Life was pretty good. You know, went to summer camp uh, for eight weeks. I didn't have issues with attachment. I went from seven years old, as does, as do you do if you're Jewish and uh, upper middle class living in the Northeast area, you know, so I did the things. Yeah. It seems like in so many ways, it's like you had a really great normal childhood. I mean, I I had a great childhood. Mm -hmm. And I think that that sometimes like can make it tricky to figure out how to wade into things. I think sometimes when we're trying to integrate or or reconcile something, it can feel like we're like kicking up dust or something. And it's, and I imagine when you've had a really great childhood, you really love your parents. Like you're not looking for fights, you know, you're not looking to go that I could see how it would be difficult to sort of figure out to, to gain any kind of clarity, you know, when you're like, but I'm not unhappy. Like, I don't feel like this part of me is missing. I don't feel part of what I think is hilarious and correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember part of how like the deeper search, you know, kind of kicked off was astrology that you wanted to get your, your birth certificate to know when you were born to know exactly what sign you were. It's funny that wasn't the search had, and we can get into the search, but if you want, um, yeah, and I would imagine, right. It wasn't how it kicked off, but it definitely was during the search. I'm born on November 22nd, which is the cusp of Scorpio and Sag. So, you know, as you all know, everyone has one sun sign, but I don't know the time. I didn't know the time of day I was born because my birth certificate had my parents' names as in my adopted parents' names. Like when you're adopted, they like make a new birth certificate. So your biological parents' names are sealed. Everything is sealed. So in a 2019, um, there was a big New York Times article about um, New York State 
granting, uh, th there, a new law was issued um, granting rights to adoptees in New York State, enabling them to more easily obtain their original birth certificate. That's okay. That's right. And I remember you and I talking about it and you were like, I don't know, but you're like, how he thinks I should do it. You know, like you were, yeah. you were like not phased. You were like kind of starting to explore some of the emotional stuff or just, I think like what was going on in your life and like, where did adoption fit into this? But yes. you weren't like on this quest, as I remember you just telling me these things at the time. And um, you were like, like how he's like, no, no, we're going to get your birth certificate. Like he, like he was sort of leading the charge. And I remember like thinking like, oh my God, knowing my own personality, if I had found out like more info, I would be like, I need it immediately. Like you were being like so chill and just sort of like, well, I don't know. Like I would love to know. So I know if I'm a Scorpio or a massage, we can make a case for either one, but you were like so chill about it at that point. Well, to be fair, I was chill. So I, that was in 2019 and that was specifically birth time. The thing mm -hmm. we didn't, so at that point, I first learned my birth mother's name, age, and some more info about her in 2018. So I had known her name the year prior, but I had no idea the name of my biological father. I actually still don't. We don't know who uh, she uh, did the deed with. No idea. But um, in 2019, Howie went and got my birth time, and she didn't put a name down for my biological father. She probably had no idea. So all it did reveal is that I'm a Scorpio with a sad <laughs> rising, but that was huge. Like I was like, yay. Yeah. I always knew I was a Scorpio. Like sad rising, it makes total sense. Like, cause I always identified with Sag, but like in a bullshit way. Can I curse? Sorry. Of course. Yeah. And like, like fundamentally I'm a Scorpio, Scorpio Venus, Scorpio Mercury, Scorpio Pluto, Leo Moon, but it's in the eighth. So there's like a lot of Scorpio energy. So I, yeah. I'm, I remember us talking about it because Casey used to be in PR. Now she's in podcasting, which makes sense. But we would both laugh about how we could like make a case for you being either. You know, yeah. we would be yeah. like, because I'm a Scorpio moon, we would be like, okay, psychic d detective is definitely active in this one, you know, but she's also a party pants, you know, like we, well, I remember us like going through this. And I remember when you were like, how he's like determined, he's like, we have to get the birthday. I was like, he posted. I remember when you, t you texted me and you were like, guess what? It's like Scorpio sun, Sag rising. We were like, it all makes, like, it makes, it makes so much sense. It's now, so funny. I was like, I'm reborn like a little baby. Yeah. I mean, I was, I hadn't even found out anything about my biological, like my siblings or anything yet, yeah. but that was, you're right. That was definitely a formative moment, you know, for someone who's super into astrology, um, and was really deep in it at the time. That was like, it was just a super exciting moment for sure. Well, and I think people think when stuff happens or whatever, that it's this universal experience, you know, like people ask me stuff about my dad and be like, do you wonder or whatever? And it's like, I don't know, in some ways your brain does give you these gifts of like, it, it hits me every year around his birthday of being like, holy shit, he would be almost 80 now. Like yeah. how, you know, I have those moments, but I don't think about it a lot because it's like, it's painful, you know? And it yeah. sounds like for you, your brain was sort of similar. We're happy. Our needs are met. We don't have to think about a lot of this stuff, you know, like the what if game can be really not 
fun, you know, like when you know that there's just no way you can answer these questions. So like, it also made a lot of sense to me that you loved like getting like your personal question answered, you know, like you cared about knowing what sign you are, which is fair. It's like, it's this thing you enjoy that you want to connect to, you know, like that makes so much sense to me. But what I didn't realize, because something you had told me is that your mom was always very forthcoming and would ask, mm-hmm. like, do you have questions? Do you want to know anything? Yeah. And you were just like, nah, nah, you know, like, and you got these little tidbits that you didn't know her name until 2018, which is like yes. wild to me, you know, and yeah. I'm impressed by your own like kind of chill about it. It, it is crazy because I'm such a curious person and always have been. And I think I just knew full stop. I wasn't ready yet. Yeah. And I don't want to sidetrack with this too much. Like at this point, you don't have, you don't have your daughter, but like you have a young son. Like, I think also for context, you're in your late twenties, early thirties, you've got a young kid. Life is busy. It's not like you have the luxury of like, you know, mama, tell me everything about, about her. You know, like you're, you're busy living your life. I understand that your brain also not giving this a ton of space, you know? Yeah. And I also think, so when I was in late high school, early college, I don't remember when it was, but I was on the beach with my mom and she offered it up again. She was like, is there anything? I just kind of remember like laying on a lounge chair and, you know, we're beach people. Like I grew up near a beach and, you know, it was just like a perfect summer day. And she was like, is there anything you want to know about your birth mom or and it's funny because it was always a mom and no dad because I just never even envisioned one and there are reasons for that um but I said yes um first question I asked I said did you meet and my mom told me yes you know um we met her when we went to get you so I was born in Rochester um at the time my parents lived in Manhattan and I always knew that they flew up with a lawyer to get me. So this day at the beach, she said, we went to the house. I didn't know which house, you know, I guess it was hers. And she came outside and she said, as she, my biological mother walked outside that she had this blonde hair and it was bouncing. And my mother has hair that's always been, I mean, she's gorgeous, but her hair's always been a thing for her, like in high school, she would try to get it straight and iron it with an, like on an ironing board. And it was, it's, she has a lot of hair and it's, it's like difficult, you know, for her to style. She's so got she's volume. Like, and she was like, wow, like my daughter's going to have this like amazing blonde hair. And then my mom told me that the two of them hugged and cried. And I was like, that's beautiful. So for years, that is all I knew. I didn't know her age, but safe to say, I always assumed she was very young because that's what one assumes. And then I didn't know her name. I didn't know her economic status. I assume because I I just never thought there was a father in the picture. I thought she was either religious or dumped or both. You know, I just didn't think about it. So then what happened in terms of my finding out was in 2018, um, my husband was away on a work trip. and. When you get married and have kids, like, you know, the times where you are alone with your parents, like dwindle. Mm -hmm. I used to be with my parents alone all the time. And now I'm rarely never just the three of us or me. And at the time, my son was like two and a half. So 
he could participate in a conversation without knowing what we were talking about. Whereas now we can't talk about this in front of him because he's seven and very inquisitive. But I was out to dinner with my parents and my son and they, my mom asked if there was anything I wanted to know. And I said, do you know her name? And my mom said, yes. And she told me her name and she's a great name. I'll call her D. I said, how old was she? And she said, 39. And I said, wait, what? And she yeah. said, yeah, she was 39. And I said, oh, and I couldn't really process it, but 39 is not what I expected. Yeah. And then I said, was anyone an artist? Because again, that's something I naturally, not that I'm some great artist, but I've always been able to draw. It's like a natural aptitude. She said, yes. So evidently my mom, I'd been afraid or shying away from asking my mom these questions because I didn't want to break her heart and my dad too. Like I just didn't want to. And meanwhile, she's like, we've been waiting for you to ask. Hello. You know, like that's just the beautiful thing. So evidently my mom had been regularly Googling this woman who gave birth to me, Mm. Dee. And there's like really nothing on her, like sketchy, you know, when people just have like no internet presence at all. Yeah. That's my birth mom. But finally my I'm about to say something that you're going to be like, finally, but my biological grandma died and there was an obituary in the news with her name. And in it, it talks about her personality and her life. And, you know, it mentioned my birth mom's name, of course, and all the people she was leaving behind. So that night after my mom told me about this, I read the obituary and I was kind of blown away because First of all, it was very clear that like money wasn't the issue either, you know, like, so 39, it's not age. I'm reading that they had a summer house on Cape Cod and they wintered in San Miguel de Allende, Mexico, which is so funny because I had in 2017 and 2018, I used to go to San Miguel de Allende for work, like maybe three times. So around the time my biological grandma died and it, it, which is very interesting and weird and yeah, but It became clear to me that A, it wasn't financial and there was probably something bigger at play, like a mental health issue. Was that your immediate, like, I feel similar. I would have been baffled if I find out she's 39. There seems to be a decent economic standing. Like you Mm -hmm. said, you know, yes, they could have bought a house in the Cape in 1900, but like putting two and two together, if people are wintering and summering places, we know they're from, you know, I would have like, did that. You're also a mom yourself at this point. So is that also just changing your like, in your head, I imagine it, it was very like tidy of like, she must have gotten pregnant. She was very young, couldn't handle handle it, gave me up for adoption. At this point, are you starting to go, oh, this is not the tidy story I've told myself. Like, this is actually a little more confusing of what's at play. Because I think it's interesting, like, I don't know when mental health would have come, like, in my own invest, like, my own kind of throwing stuff out to see what sticks. I don't know where mental health would have come, but like, I thought it was so interesting when you were telling me you were like, immediately I was like mental health, you know? In in that conversation, I realized it had to be mental health. Got it. And I think I started realizing, you know, when your point about motherhood, you know, when I was pregnant with my son, I was 28, 
gave birth to him when I was 29. And that's definitely the first time I really started thinking about all this in earnest. Of course, you know, I think that's the natural trajectory for most adoptees from what I've been like gathering info on. I think naturally when you have a child and, you know, they're doing genetic testing and you're seeking out information and then you give birth and it's this profound moment and it's so hard. You're just thinking like, what the hell happened that this human being, you know, if you're in my situation where I had no idea what it was, right? So I'm just like, wow, this is kind of a big deal um, that this woman gave birth to me and gave me away. Like, that's a lot of work. And, you know, then realizing the importance of attachment and bonding, you know, with a baby and a mom and all that um, is, yeah, a huge deal. So yes, in that moment, I realized there was a mental health issue. And I asked my mom that and she said, yes, if I remember correctly, you know, my mom, they did a private adoption through a lawyer. I think when you adopt through the state, you get like way more information. Um, But they really didn't have a lot of information. So my mom, like until I asked her all this, like I know my parents were like trying to gather whatever info they could. And so they would have things for me, um, but they did the best they could. I mean, also like when you're, I imagine your parents like going to pick you up as well. Like if, if I were in that position, I'd be like, I'm not saying shit. Cause I want to, until that baby's in my arms. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah like, exactly. I'm being very nice. I'm complimenting the bouncing blonde hair. I am, you know, like. Oh, but that's genuine. Like they did not, I think with my mom, you know, she's like, it was just meant to be, you know, my parents were like, you were our daughter. We didn't give up. They did not yeah. give up shit. Like even if there were mental health issues, like they truly never thought that way. They were just like, this is our, the, this is our, our child. our daughter. Yeah. yeah. Which like, is like I, a beautiful thing. Yes. I would feel that same intensity, but I also would be like, my brother finds this interesting about me that like, I can like flip this switch and people become just like irrelevant to me. Oh, I can do that too. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like trauma, baby. It happens to me sometimes in the moment. I'll be like, well, well, as soon as I get this baby, I'll be grateful to this woman. But also like she's irrelevant to me in a way. Like I can be sometimes like short sighted in that regard of like, I'm, I would be so focused on like, I just want to be a mom. I just want my daughter. Like I would, yep. instead of being like, I should ask some questions. Yeah. <laughs> I should find yeah. out the medical history, you know, like you, I, you can't always go back, but it's like difficult. Like, you know, like everybody, it, it's such an example to me of when people, everybody is doing the best they can. And your parents are doing the best to navigate this. Like everybody, you know, like, but, um, I love the idea that your mom's like, oh, I kind of vaguely remember. (laughs) Yes. Well, you know, they weren't offering up much info, but again, like this was such a long process for them too, which started with, you know, it was a trauma for them too. Although it's, you know, they really don't view it that way, which is great. Like they're just like, we have you, (laughs) you know, it's so, and they mean that wholeheartedly that, you know, Um, it started with, you know, and that's my mom's story for her to tell, but you know, it was not, it was in the eighties. It wasn't like an easy process. Um, and then when they finally, so what had happened though, was my mother and father were supposed to, they had a boy that they were going to adopt. And then the birth mother decided to keep that boy, which is like a beautiful thing. And, but you know, it was obviously a letdown for my parents at the time. And then a week later, 
their lawyer called and there he was like, get on a plane. There's this woman. This is your this is your kit. And it was like so quick. And I later found out why. Because oh, I when I learned about the circumstances of my birth mom and her life, it all made sense why it was so quick and kind of crazy. So in 2018, you learn her name and you start asking some questions. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I read this obituary and I read about my biological grandma. She sounds a lot like me, you know, just her personality. Everyone's, you know, the way they spoke of her sounded like me. I start Googling around her, like start Googling other people who passed. I see like people went to Dartmouth, people lived in Manhattan and seemingly... You know, again, it's all, I'm just Googling around them. Um, my husband found some articles, like lifestyle articles on my biological grandma um, in, you, you know, uh, Dem- Rochester, uh, their local papers, Democrat and Chronicle, I think. Sorry, everyone from Rochester. I'm not remembering. <laughs> I also call it Rochester, even though it's Rochester, which my brother who, you know, I found uh, is from Rochester. And he's like, how come you can't say Rochester? It's where you were born. Anyway, um, there were all these entertaining stories on her where she's like, she was an artist and owned a gallery. She's like, if I'm going to go to a party, I'm damn well going to have fun. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, That's like me. And I grew up in a party family, so it all makes sense, you know? Yeah. Like really fun, funny, vibrant people. So I had all this information. At the time, I had a really stressful, anxious, full-time life where I was working and had a son. I had no time. I kind of had to let it sit. And fast forward to February 2020, my father had a surgery. And so I went up to visit him in the hospital. And once again, it was just me, my mom, and my dad, a rare occurrence. Feb 2020. So COVID was definitely like in the background. There was this thing that was happening and we're like, was it real? But my anxiety in general, like because of a lot of things, was just really hitting a boiling point, if you will. I was just very anxious person and contemplating going on medication for the first time for it. And so I was talking to my parents about this, my anxiety Maybe I should just go on a very baby dose of medication. You know, from what I understand, it'll stop my intrusive thoughts and I'll still be me, you know, Mm -hmm. based on. I remember us even talking about it. And I was like, yo, girl, meds majorly helped me with anxiety. It was like, you know, I remember us talking about it and you were like, no shit. And I was like, oh, yeah, I was on meds for ages and it didn't affect my intuition and it didn't. I didn't feel different for myself and I felt like it lowered my anxiety to let me look at some of the stuff that fueled my anxiety. You know, like I just remember you and I talking about that a little bit. He <laughs> also being surprised, like, wait, you've never been on meds? And you were like, yeah, I know. I'm surprised too. Like, I just remember us talking about it. Yeah. It's like such a New York thing, you know, like to be like, oh, I'm trying this now. You know, like oh. I just remember you and I talking about it, me being like, oh yeah, girl, definitely investigate it. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, at that time I was already practicing Vedic meditation pretty religiously. I was meditating twice a day, like, but certain levels of anxiety, you just can't meditate your way out of. <laughs> nope. So my mom was like, So in the aforementioned obituary was a list of names. So my biological mother's brother passed away in 2014, but the name of his widow was there. And my mom 
I wasn't even on Facebook at the time. I like go on and off Facebook for years at a time. I'm kind of like very weird that way. I guess Scorpionic. I'm like, don't perceive me. I hate Facebook. Anyway, (laughs) so my mom was like, she is right here on Facebook. Message her. And I was like, really? I was like, I don't have Facebook. She's like, just message her from my account. So I did. I wrote her a message from my mom's account. Didn't get back right away. Cut to March 2020 passes. Everything is a shitstorm. I end up going on medication. I really needed it. It was a little touch and go for me there. Um, I was not in a good place. And then my husband's son and I moved out to my parents' house. So I was living in my childhood bedroom. (laughs) It was April 25th. I'll never forget 2020. I got an email back from my biological uncle's widow saying like, hi, Casey, it's so good to hear from you. I've been waiting for you, basically. See what I mean, y'all? I told you it's a really fascinating story. I hope you will come back tomorrow and listen to part two. That's all for today. If you're interested in submitting a topic, please go to anatonk.com and hit the contact button. Or you can email me at anatonk at gmail.com. If you're a fan of the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. It really does help.